Hello, and welcome to the JewishBoston.com podcast. I'm your host, Jen, and this is... This is Jesse. Hello, everybody. This is uh, Jesse Orch. This is uh, episode nine. This is episode nine. So this episode, we are... Well, actually, I am not talking with... Um, but Jesse and our colleague, Harris, are talking with Laura Mandel, our good friend over at Jewish Arts Collaborative. Unfortunately, I have been out sick. Um, so Harris was lovely enough to step in and record with Laura. So you get to hear that exciting interview shortly. Yes. Um, please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. And please, please leave a review. And again, my offer to read any email that comes to podcast at jewishboston.com is still open. So uh, we're sorry we've been gone for a couple months now. You know, uh, the new site is new and it's live and uh, we're very excited about it. But it's been it's been a little crazy. So uh, but look forward to many podcasts upcoming. We have some very, very ex- excited to yes. get back on the air. Yes. So uh, enjoy the interview with uh, Laura Mandel from Jewish Arts Collaborative and uh, to the theme song. Episode nine of the JewishBoston.com podcast. We are here with Laura Mandel and uh, Jim Marmer's backup, Harris. Say hi, Harris. Happy to be here. Hi, guys. Harris Rollinger, I should say. We, yes, we, indeed. We do full names here, no <laughs> abbreviations. Uh, Laura Mandel from the Jewish Arts Collaborative is here. Uh, you were with us a few months ago when it was the new Center for Arts and Culture. So why don't we start with what is the Jewish Arts Collaborative? Ah, yes, I was here, and it was an exciting time because we were pre-merged new organization. So I am thrilled to say that we are now the Jewish Arts Collaborative, um, the only Jewish arts organization in Boston that is now committed to every kind of art form. So whether you're into cooking or crafting or comedy, music, literature, uh, you name it, we are bringing the best of Jewish talent to Boston. Um, And it's really exciting because it is a merger of what was the new center for arts and culture and the Boston Jewish Music Festival. Um, And we're having a really good time just playing and bringing all kinds of fun things to town. On the day we were recording this, we were just at a sort of live show of a Japanese klezmer band. That's um, right. You heard him right. Japanese yes. klezmer. Japanese the only klezmer one in the band. world. That was that was interesting. It was definitely one of the most interesting things that I've ever seen, but also really great. Yeah, they were. Right? If, if you close your eyes, you would not imagine that is what they look like as no. players. And then you open it up and I, I, she's not really the lead singer, the lead drummer, I guess. Yeah. I don't even know what to call her position. Just in sort of full Japanese garb. Playing she a drum. plays an instrument that's basically a one-man band that I learned was invented in Japan about 100 years ago. Wow. But the crazy thing is the band leader has been obsessed with klezmer for about 20 years, and this is the first time he's actually come to the U.S. and been with his, like, klezmer people. So it was kind of crazy. We had a show at the Burn in Davis Square last night. Totally oh, my God. packed house. Um, and then the show on the Greenway today, and we estimated about 1,000 people were listening and bopping around while they were eating lunch, and it was really a sight. <laughs> I mean, we saw we saw a truck driver getting off, uh, uh, I guess, 93, looking directly at them from the side. And like he, he took a video with his phone, right? He was so like, what is yeah. that? And I got a meta photo of him taking that nice. video. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I know like when, you know, you started working for what was then the New Center and now it's a Jewish Arts Collaborative. Like something like this was always, you're always wanting more public performance 
performances, public art. I'm, I'm so now that the Jewish Arts Collaborative has been live for eight-ish months, yep. um, and you have just sort of released your fall 2016 season. How do you feel like the idea of the of the you know the idea behind the Jewish Arts Collaborative as an idea? How do you feel like your new season sort of reflects that? There is so much in it, and it is all wacky, and some is strange in the best way possible. Um, we really pride ourselves on bringing things that you probably wouldn't see otherwise, and on putting new twists on things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're doing a Shabbat dinner series, but it's not your average, like, come say Kiddush and have some challah. It's all with artists and performers and musicians. Um, the first one in honor of Rosh Hashanah is actually with the first Jewish astronaut who read Bereshit in space. And he spun a dreidel in space. And I was like, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're doing we're doing some wacky things that you wouldn't see otherwise. Um, for the longest time, I have dreamt of bringing the be-all and all of Jewish comedians to town, none other than Mel Brooks. And alas, I'm very pleased to say that's happening in October. Um, and it's a partnership with uh, City Wang. But I'm really excited to meet Mel. It's pretty incredible <laughs> that you're going to not only be able to meet him, but bring him here. And I think my question is, what are you looking for exactly when you're like, you know, we're a couple months out building the block of schedule where you've got, you know, some open dates. What is it that kind of wins you over in terms of like, okay, we have to bring this here. We have to host this. Like, are you looking for things? Are there certain trigger words or personalities? Because I know for me around social innovation, there are definitely things and you and I have talked about this that you see it and you're like, okay, we have to do this. Is that how it works for you in terms of the arts? Totally. I mean, Japanese klezmer was a no-brainer. When I heard that existed, I was like, yes, I don't even know what they sound like. And we have to bring that because those are two words that don't normally go together. And so it gets attention. And you're like, what is that? I got to know. But in general, there's a variety of things. You know, it's themes like... Personally, I love cooking, but I know a lot of people in town love cooking. Uh, So we've been really trying to up the ante on what is Jewish food. Um, Now that Mama Les Delicatessen is open in Kendall, we are one of the first, I'm proud to say, to have a partnership with them. We're going to do a latka making class for Hanukkah. So it'll only accommodate 20 people because that's the space they have. So the first lucky 20 people uh, will get to make latkes with the, you know, chefs and owners of Mamala's, which to me is just really awesome and fun. And like, how could you not want to be there? Um, And in general, it's like anything that sounds interesting to our team and our leadership. So there's a lot of different things. You know, it's like sometimes it's big name artists like Mel Brooks. Sometimes it's things that are, you know, cool themes or interesting ideas and a lot of really wacky stuff comes across my desk. I probably say no to about 30 different acts or artists a week. Um, and it's sifting through what's out there. I was going to, that, that was my follow-up question. Because as someone who has worked with you, I'm still confused about how you find some of these things. I know sometimes people are approaching you. But I know sometimes you have to go out and look for things. And I think even the three of us who I say were, are sort of inside you know, the Jewish community here and have a pretty good idea of how to find things. I'm still surprised and I'm like, how did I know this was happening or how did I know this person was coming to town? So like, how do you make sure that you're not missing, you know, uh, something that people would find really interesting? I'm pretty sure I've made fun of you for this before. Google, my friend, all Google. Right. <laughs> no, no, but all joking aside, um, we talk to a lot of people who do cult- Jewish cultural presentation um, around the country and the world. So, you know, a lot of times people will be on tour to go to their festivals. Um, Ashkenaz Fest, which is one of the biggest and best Jewish culture um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for, festivals <laughs> in the world um, in Toronto is coming up this weekend. And so there was just a natural thing there that they had certain performers that they said, oh, you should really think about this person. Um, and when people are on tour coming from other countries, it's a lot easier. Um, so there's that. But it's a lot of research. It's a lot of just like poking around YouTube and seeing what jumps out at us. It's a lot of um, looking at what books are coming out. You know, I'm sure people have heard of or maybe have heard of the Jewish Book Council. It's hundreds of books every year that are about Jewish content, that are by Jewish authors, and it's always a matter of sifting through there and kind of teasing out what really jumps out at us. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting today and looking at the Greenway where you were hosting this performance for Jinto was that um, the Jewish Arts Collaborative obviously brings these Jewish acts and brings together the Jewish community, but it also has this cross-cultural appeal in the sense that like a lot of the people who were buying their lunch and stopped by to listen today probably weren't Jewish. Are you finding that because you're bringing these interesting acts and someone like Mel Brooks appeals to everyone, like everyone loves space balls, everyone loves blazing saddles, but are you finding that all of your acts, or not all, but a lot of your acts are kind of bridging the gap between the Jewish community and people who wouldn't normally even look for something like this? Why, thank you for bringing that up, Harris. <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually, um, it's really important to us that things we do do have universal appeal. It's not about Jewish art for Jews only. It's about showing the world what Jewish art is and that it's not necessarily just baking challah or like some art presentation in a synagogue basement. You know, I think that there's um, a lot out there that is Jewish art that's, whether it's Israeli or Jewish, made by Jewish. Jewish artists. Um, I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff out there that just needs to be shared and presented. And so we really pride ourselves on digging up the stuff that has universal and global appeal. Um, and when we talk about bigger programs and public art and things like that, it's extra important to me because it's all well and good to talk to other Jews, but I really think that the beauty and depth and richness of Jewish culture is something that has so much to give to the whole world. Um, you know, when we talk about community service or tikkun olam, when we talk about, um, you know, food and like cross-cultural blending, when we talk about immigration and how the U.S. came to be what it is, um, we've talked a lot recently about what used to be Jewish neighborhoods in Boston, you know, Dorchester and Mattapan. And my dream for the future is to do a public art installation of some sort in one of those neighborhoods that really reflects what was. And so you get these layers of immigration and cross-culturalism in Boston. And I think that's something that gets lost over time. You know, it's something people don't know about. And it's an opportunity to really say, Jewish people used to be here, and this is why it matters, and this is who here's, who's here now, and this is how we all affect the city and the landscape of, you know, where we are now. That's awesome. And I'm looking at this, at your programming for the fall, and it's incredible. And Mel Brooks is obviously on, like, your wish list. Who else is, who else is on your wish list? Like, your top five people, like, who you would love to talk to or bring in for a panel or just host an event? Like, who are the ones that are, like, way up here that before you die, you have to have them come. Well, it's a little sad that you say before they die because I have to admit, Fiveish Finkel, who you may remember from Picket Fences, was on our docket for the season. And as we were about to go to print with our brochure, had to make a change because he passed away. Oh. And no sooner was I depressed about that, the Gene Wilder died. Yeah. So it's been rough. But uh, yes, we really are trying to push the boundaries with bringing people before they die. Um, one dream of someone who's not older, so let's hope this doesn't happen, they don't die. Um, I call this the orange is the new black trifecta. 
because you have Regina Spector who sings the theme song. Um, Piper, who wrote the book, Orange is New Black, actually went to jail. The next half-Jewish girl who went to jail, unheard of, right? Um, and Genji Cohen, who wrote the show. Yeah. So to me, that's the trifecta of sort of pop culture meets writing, meets interesting story, meets music. Um, and with Regina Spector, she has this really amazing um, Russian Jewish story. So I feel like that would be the most incredible thing to mm -hmm. me. And I would love to just sit down and talk to all of them about how they do what they do. Absolutely, that'd yeah. be pretty cool. I mean, the my dream was always a sort of like 92nd Street Y sort of conversation with Jon Stewart, but he charges so much specifically because he doesn't like doing them. But just talking to him, just sort of a sort of general overview of his career and like how he viewed himself. And especially mm -hmm. now that he's yep. had some time to relax and looks like a thousand times healthier. <laughs> uh, it'd be interesting <laughs> to see, um, like, I imagine he's done a lot of pulling back and is probably watching the news a lot less and like how that's changed his mindset. Cause in his job, he was seeing the, the worst crap day in, day out. Mm -hmm. And so like hearing yep. how he you sort of, I imagine he's a little more optimistic about life now than he was, you know, a year ago. Yeah. Well, and the thing, John Stewart to me is a fabulous example because he's so open with his Jewishness and not in a trite way, not in a way of like, oh, I'm Jewish and, but you can tell it really impacts how he thinks and what he does. Mm -hmm. um, Another one on that note is uh, Amy Schumer. She I, would be incredible. There was a thing about her the other day in Juniverse, which is like sometimes really awesome and sometimes really not, <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> but uh, sign up for Juniverse. Um, they get some really interesting articles, at pop culture and, um, and Amy Schumer's one that just fascinates me, partially because as a woman comedian doing what she's doing, she's like, you know, the next layer of Gilda Radner and, you know, Joan Rivers and oh, all these Gilda. amazing women. I, I know, sad too. But um, I feel like Amy Schumer is another great example of like, she owns it. She owns her, you know, the fact that she's a woman doing this stuff. She owns the fact that she's Jewish. Mm -hmm. And um, I just really love people who don't just sort of say, oh, I'm Jewish because it's a token thing. But the, it really impacts who they are. Yeah. It's a really important part of who they are. And I feel like, when someone is from another country, you would never say to them like, "Oh, you're Japanese. Why are you talking about your Japaneseness?" You know. Yeah. But with someone who's Jewish, it's kind of this weird notion, and I'm like, "Be proud." You yeah, know? So. absolutely. I'm, I'm also. Ha um, I like how comfortable she is with releasing videos of her as a child, because like I know yeah. those videos of me doing those things, and those will never <laughs> make it on the internet. I don't know. Hopefully. One day, Jesse. One day. Yeah. <laughs> when this podcast is the big thing. Oh yes. One day. Yes. <laughs> to our five <laughs> listeners out there, you know, re remember this day. Taking a step back a little bit, as we mentioned earlier, you know, the Jewish Arts Collaborative was a merger between the New Center for Arts and Culture and uh, the Boston Jewish Music Festival. So how did that, I know how it sort of worked in the spring, but for the fall, how did it, how did you decide to approach the season as far as like combining sort of the New Center-ish type of programs and the Music Festival-ish type of programs? So we have a lot of conversations about what kinds of things we want to touch on. You know, we have the category of theme. We have the category of location and types of venues. We have the, you know, of course, the target audience, you know, for lack, you know, in English, like who's actually going to come to these shows or to these events. Um, and we take this kind of cross section of all the different factors and pull them together to figure out what we think the like 15 to 20 best programs are. Um, you know, like I know. It's a personal thing, but I also know we have a big audience who wants to craft. So I was like, okay, let's do a, a pottery making class because there's a lot of opportunities to make pottery around town, but I've never come across another one that was really Jewish. So we said, okay, we're going to celebrate Rosh Hashanah by making 
honey dipping dishes out of clay. Um, and then it's nice a nice opportunity to really get your hands dirty and make something. And I know that, you know, there may be 15 people who are really into that. Um, and that's all you need because it's a really great opportunity mm-hmm. to come together and actually make art. Not just talk about it and think about it, but actually make art, um, which I think is kind of intimidating to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I think the fun part. So I have a bit of an, I have a nerdy question about the Jewish Arts Collaborative, right. which is that it's one of my favorite things in that you kind of brought these two organizations together to maximize the collective impact of like-minded organizations. Have you had people congratulating you, commenting on this collaboration? And what has it been like so far in terms of kind of like re-energizing you for the future? Oh, yes. And then some. Um, I have to say, it's interesting because we kind of walk the line, unlike most other organizations, between the Jewish community and the arts community. Um, And Mm. when I err on the side of the arts community, there's a real renaissance in Boston right now. And there's a lot of conversation, as we know, at um, the city level and the state level, not just over funding, but over the role arts organizations play and the fact that there's in Massachusetts there are tons of small arts organizations that are sorely underfunded and un, you know under-resourced and everything. And I think a lot of people get really excited to see that we've taken the strengths of two organizations and pulled them together to add to the strength of our whole collective community. Um, and I've had some interesting conversations recently with leaders of other arts organizations who are looking to us as role models and saying, you know, we're thinking about merging because with the hundreds or thousands of arts organizations that exist in this community, we're all competing unintentionally. And so by coming together, it's much stronger for the whole community. Um, And in our case, it was kind of natural because we had staffs and leadership that were already working well together. But I think that there's so much room in the arts community for this to happen also. And it's a stronger message for the audience. It's a stronger message for the donors. Um, You know, for those of you who just want to go to a program, it's way easier to see one program that sounds really awesome than three where you're like, oh, I'm not sure what to go to and Mm -hmm. what's going to be. So, you know, like personally, as someone who likes to go to cultural happenings, I find it a lot more user friendly to see that there's one really cool thing happening. Um, and it makes that just easier to do and accomplish. So it's it's been exciting to be a part of the everything that's happening in the Boston arts scene right now. Absolutely. I'm going to divert us here for a second because I, I like to both put us back on track and then take us off track. So I'm going to take us off track now. With the Mel Brooks program coming up, uh, it, it's a viewing of Blazing Saddles and then a Q&A with him. I'm very curious to hear what your thoughts are about I imagine I imagine 99% of the people who go have already seen Blazing Saddles, right? But even so, I don't know how many of them have seen it recently. And so I'm I'm curious if, if you're going to keep count, or if I should keep count, of how many times you hear sort of the sort of shocked awe sound at the offensiveness that is Blazing Saddles. Because it's an amazing, it's an amazingly offensive movie. We were just talking about this in the car right over here. We were saying how blatantly offensive it is, but that is the genius oh, of it's Mel Brooks. So, yeah, it's it is. So, he knew to push back, and yeah. he said, I'm going to push the boundaries. Yeah. I mean, That's it. I remember <laughs> I'm, the, the first time I watched it, it was only like maybe 12... 13 years ago, the first time I saw it. And I could not believe that he was able to pull that off when he did. Because that was made in, what, the 70s? Right? You watch that now, and you're like, I don't think that movie could have been made five years ago. I think it had to have been made when when Hollywood was letting directors do whatever they wanted during that mm-hmm. sort of uh, director-auteur yep. phase, not yep. in the 80 Spielbergian age. Mm-hmm. And it's like some of the jokes there still hurt. And that's like... Like is I feel like that that's a sign that, that that's a bad sign against uh, you know us as Americans, but I think also like 
sort of a reflection of how great of a comedy that is. Well, I think that's the beauty of Mel, you know, yep. is that like he's timeless and the work and the jokes that he, you know, created are timeless. And that's how you know that someone's work will hold up is that, you know, there are some things that were funny today that won't be funny 20 years from now because it's just the way it is. But with him, I mean, Spaceballs, The Producers, yeah. Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, like everything he's done has held up in such a remarkable way. And you still get this passion from him. Um, I remember watching Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, the yeah. episode of him and Carl Reiner and Jerry Seinfeld. So great. It was hysterical. Um, and they were just talking about what it was like back then to write and to work. And I, I don't even know if he's working anything anymore. And I hope to God that he is because he's like a comedic genius and an inspiration for me when I used to do stand up. But I think that like one of the reasons that it's some of it is still remarkably offensive is that it will kind of always be offensive, yeah. whether they're like cultural opinions or otherwise. He just he had this way of making you uncomfortable, but at the same time, like wheezing from laughing so hard because he hits the nail on the head well, every time. The key is he takes it so far that yeah. you know it's ridiculous. And yeah. that's what all good, really good art does, yes. I think. I think mediocre attempts are ones where they're scared to push the boundary like that much. But the key is everyone thinks it's funny. I mean, there's probably some people who are offended, but let's be honest. The average person thinks it's hysterical because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. And that's why it stands the test of time. Yeah. You I know? mean, I still sing the Jews in Space song. Like, you know. I mean, <laughs> I, Springtime for Hitler might be the best Top comedic song five. ever written. Top is, five of anything, anything. comedic it's, ever. It's, it's the most <laughs> offensive yet politically on point, hysterical yes. thing. You've ever when they march in the form of the swastika in the mirror, yeah. like that to me was like I remember seeing my, my parents preparing me for that, and even now I watch that and I like grimace a little bit, but I'm also almost peeing my pants yeah. from but laughing. It, so it's also a great song. Like it's not just lyrically yep. funny. Like it, yeah. as a as a Broadway song, it's really good. Like that's that's what I always appreciate about, about like, uh, Mel Brooks and like uh, the South Park guys. Um, it's like when when they have the skills to make a good song and then throw their comedy on top of it. Cause then you can enjoy it in a multitude of different ways. Uh, hello um, book of Mormon. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the book of Mormon, like, uh, um, I had to listen to the soundtrack multiple times after seeing it because I couldn't hear a lot of things because people were laughing over it, like which is always a good sign. Yep, I'm um, the Book of Mormon evangelist. I knew every word before I went to ever see the show. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, Book yeah. Mormon was great. But, um, that's, but that's great comedy. And that's yeah. the whole thing. It's like so ridiculous. Yeah. I, I have this plan. I want to go back to LA one day soon and see if I can crash lunch when it's Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner. Because apparently they still have lunch together, that's I incredible. think, every week. That's awesome. Like I want to crash that and just see It'll what ridiculous Carl Reiner's incredible. Is. <laughs> but in speaking of kind of Mel Brooks actors, and I know that we're kind of, we'll be wrapping up shortly, but as Laura mentioned, we had the unfortunate passing of one of our favorites of all time, Gene Wilder. And just wondering if you would be willing to say, like, your thoughts on you know, the bulk of his career and the things that he brought from Willy Wonka to the producers to everything else. I just have to say, he has been an icon of mine my whole life. I was I was literally in tears at my desk the other day Aww. when I heard he died because I was like... Willy Wonka to me was one of my top movies of all time. And people laugh at me and they're like, it's creepy and it's weird. But I'm like, that's the whole thing. It's kind of like the comedy thing. It's just so far-fetched and ridiculous that it's amazing and timeless. And while I love Johnny Depp, there is no question that he is not <laughs> He's Willy not Gene Wonka. Wilder, no. I love him, but he is not Gene Wilder. And I just feel like Gene and Mel and that whole cohort they had just brought comedy to a level that, like, 
is just iconic, you know? And I think that's why I would love to bring Amy Schumer to town because I feel like Amy Schumer now is like the next wave of that ridiculousness of just like pushing the boundaries so far that you can't help but laugh. But um, no, I'm I'm really sad about Gene Wilder and I, you know, I'm just glad I hadn't tried to book him for the season. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Well, I think on that note, that's a good, uh, that's a good, um, I want to thank Laura again for coming to talk to us. And if you want to um, look at the different programs Jewish Arts Collaborative is um, doing this season, you can go to their website at jartsboston.org. Um, and I hope I will see it something. Yeah. Jarts Boston, as I call it. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So thank you again. And um, have, a, have a good day, everybody. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse. all for listening. I hope you enjoyed Harris and Jesse talking with Laura this week. I'm sure you missed my beautiful voice on the air, but it was a lovely, lovely interview. You do a better job of holding the microphone to your face. So oh, there's thank that. you. Um, th- again, yes, as, uh, as Jen said, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, please don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and give us a review. Uh, you can also, um, you know, follow us and like us on SoundCloud, all the different options. We want to thank Sean Fogel for our wonderful music. And uh, if you like our music so much, you can uh, sort of Google Sean Fogel. He has a new album coming out. So you should check that out. Definitely check it out. Yes. And uh, thank to uh, thanks to the CGP Young Adults and JewishBoston.com for letting us do this. Great. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Or shalom. Shalom.